Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Ask me to show you poetry in motion and I will show you a horse. And the author on that is unknown, but you're going to know why I picked that very soon. <laughs> Before I introduce today's guest, Corinda Kinsler, I want to invite you to go to lucydumascoaching.com and book a quick 20-minute call if you have a question on anything or just like, hey, I'd like to talk to Lucy a little bit more. Jump over there. I am on YouTube, so if you're listening to this as a podcast, you're going to find it on YouTube if you like to look at our happy faces. Uh, or if you're on YouTube and you want to just listen, I'm on all the all the other podcast worlds. So uh, I think that's all I have to say for now. Oh, if you happen to be at the PPA Imaging Expo, I'm there, uh, God willing, or whoever. Buddha willing. <laughs> um, and I'm planning to do a little get together. Uh, I think it's going to be one o'clock on Monday at the coffee shop that's in the convention center. So love to see you there. Okay, here we go. Let me tell you a little about Corinda. She is an equine photographer based in Texas. So that's why I picked the horsey quote. <laughs> she also helps photographers. She has a passion to help us find more magic and build a profitable business by mastering our mindset and money. And you know I like that word profitable. That's why this is the profitable photographer. Um, in her portrait business, she averages around $6,000. Sometimes sales go up to $20,000 and more, which is awesome. And that's about uh, when I've done portrait sessions in the last, I guess, maybe the last 20 years, I've had that like four, four to 20,000 range. Um, but she also has a high volume, high price point event where she sells luxury wall art with 15 minute sessions. So that's, that's pretty interesting because generally mini sessions uh, drive me a little cuckoo, but not if we're averaging $3,500 every 15 minutes. Okay, so hello and welcome, welcome, Corinda. Hello, I'm excited to be here. So just to get started, I know you didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to photograph horses. So uh, can you share a little about your background so people understand where you've been and how you got here? Yeah. So I started my business my last semester of college. I actually have an animal science degree, which makes sense that I'm a horse photographer now. Um, but when I started my business, I started doing weddings and babies because that's what you do as a photographer, mm -hmm. right? And um, before I actually had my business, I worked for a livestock photography company for a little bit. And I also took pictures of horses at a barn I was working at. But people don't take pictures of horses for a living. So weddings and babies it was. And I had my wedding and newborn photography brands for five years. And I went to visit Kentucky and I woke up one morning and I said, this is crazy. Why am I not photographing horses for a living? And I built my equine photography website literally overnight, launched my equine photography brand and decided that over the next year, I was going to photograph 365 horses. Wow. And I set out over the next year and launched my equine photography brand with a project called 365 Days of Horses. And I photographed 365 horses, shared all of their stories on my blog, yeah. and did sales with every single horse, did IPS ordering appointments with every single horse that I photographed. Wow. Um, my mentor at the time told me I was crazy. I was, but I did it. And I think that year taught me so much about business and building a business because it was essentially my third brand I had built and doing that big, crazy project. I learned so much about sales and things like that. So that's how I ended up with horses. Wow. So what did you learn in photographing 
horses by doing 365? Like, what are some things that that you discovered uh, made it easier and more successful? Do you have a few tips for us on yeah. that? So when I switched to horses, I knew it took me years to get really good at photographing weddings and babies. And so part of the reason I wanted to do such a large number of sessions that year was because I knew that in order to get really good fast, I was going to have to get the number of horses in front of my camera and also make money while doing it. Um, And I think really the biggest thing I realized was that patience is a virtue. Um, But my time as a baby photographer really did teach me patience. Mm -hmm. You know, when you photograph babies, you sit there for sometimes what feels like hours trying to get a baby to sleep in the perfect pose. And so like, if a horse doesn't want to cooperate, I'm cool. I'm so calm, cool and collected. It doesn't phase me at all. Um, and I really had to learn to be calm and be mm-hmm. really efficient because they have sh- very short ascension spans. And the other thing I realized with photographing horses is you have to learn how to not only coach a person through posing themselves, but you have to coach a person through how to also pose their animal because you can't walk back and forth and just place a horse where you want them to be. Right. But you also can't pose a horse perfectly. Um, and as somebody that uses strobes in a lot of my fine art stuff, it's hard when you set your lights up and a horse takes one step and all of a sudden they're three foot in front of your lights. You don't have a lot of leeway there. So a lot of times when you're photographing horses, you're thinking like, okay, what are they going to do? Where are they going to move? What's going to happen? So that way you can predict these movements, even though I'm not photographing movement, but the slightest movement can mess up your lighting, your posing, your positioning. So there's a lot of thought (laughs) that goes Mm -hmm. into it. So uh, number one, patience. Mm -hmm. Or two, be calm yourself. Mm -hmm. And I guess three would be be efficient. So have your plan, have your strategy, do it step by step and don't waste a lot of energy. Um, Learn how to direct the owner or... Yeah, we'll just say the owner uh, on posing and then kind of like a sports photographer learning to anticipate where they might be going or what they're going to do next mm-hmm. um, that I I'm a baby photographer kids, not the little sleeping baby burrito types. I was well into my baby photography before and get us started <laughs> making the baby burritos and what I call the monkey face. <laughs> anyway, same thing. One of the things that I do with, with babies is I make a little nest with a beanbag chair. And when they're under three months old and I shoot them in semi-profile and I watch where their fingers and toes are going so that there's a moment where that you know, that hand goes up and the other one goes down and the the knee goes up and then boom, there's my shot. So I think uh, I think it's a skill that we we all need when we're working with subjects where we can't tell them exactly what to do. Would you agree with that? For sure. Definitely cannot tell a 1,200-pound horse, just turn your head a little bit this way. Hang right. on, look. Let me adjust my light five degrees. Yes. <laughs> no. Part of why I uh, generally, if I'm not in the studio, I don't use lights is because it's similar with kids, where if I find a great location and then I set the lights up and then they run a little forward or back or to the side and it's still a good shot, but they're not in the light. Ugh. <laughs> so, yeah. So I learned how to find good light mm-hmm. outside but um i've done i've done i've done a few horse sessions one of them uh it was a woman who teaches and has a stable and has three horses of her own so i um photographed all four of them together and you know individuals and at one point i said so i love kind of relates to what you just said I was like, oh, Sarah, this is actually a lot like photographing children. And she said, yeah, children that can kill you. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I began to understand that there was, you said 1,200 pounds of muscle or mm -hmm. how much do horses weigh? Yeah. So it definitely, like some of those cute poses uh, that I thought of, like kissing the horse's nose, she said he could lift his chin up and I'm dead. Like, mm -hmm. you have to be careful. Do you have other thoughts or tips or things to be careful of? Yeah, I, I think this is the biggest thing I'll share is that if you're not a horse person and you want to photograph horses, because I get asked this a lot, like, I'm not a horse person, but I love horses. And I want to photograph them. What do I do? And sometimes the horse photography world cannot be welcoming to people who are not horse people. Mm -hmm. I will admit, and I am here to say that you can be a horse photographer, even if you're not a horse person, but there's one thing I want you to do first. And what I always say is go find a barn and take horsemanship lessons, learn horse safety, learn mm. like their behavior, just learn how to groom them, brush them, lead them, just learn how to be around them safely before you go photograph them. Because not only are they dangerous, but they're expensive. And I mean, I have horses that I'm photographing that are hundreds of thousands of dollars for, you know, just one horse costs three, $400,000 sometimes. And you don't want to risk messing up or doing something dangerous that could result in that horse getting injured because right. that's a lot of liability. And um, just simply like calling around and finding somewhere to learn how to be around horses would be the first step for sure. That's a huge tip. Even for somebody that is a horsey person, uh, they may not there may be some things that you may not realize when you're not riding or just being with your horse that when you're photographing them, that there's, there's some things that we might want to know. So that's a really great tip. Yeah. All right. Anything else on horses? Cause I know your superpower, what you love to share is also <laughs> about mastering our mindset uh, yeah. and, and our money or around money. But anything else? So, so what do most people purchase when yeah. with your full service, not the, not the quickie, but the full service, what are yeah. people investing in? So I sell a lot of albums and wall art. Um, most of my clients are buying, my full portrait clients are buying an album with around 30 to 40 of their favorite portraits, plus multiple pieces of art for their home. Um, I'm a huge fan of Guild Canvas and their mm -hmm. product. And they're gorgeous. They're beautiful. Um, my clients love them. And they make me a lot of money because they're pricey. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I get to sell them for a lot of money. Um, so that's what I sell the most of these days. I love it. I love it. I'm friends with the guilds and uh, attended the... Well, anyway, I won't go into it. But I met them at a workshop with Kenton Whitmire. Uh -huh. And the guilds, when Ken passed, the guilds took over their canvassing business and then eventually moved into Ken's studio. So they're carrying on a beautiful legacy, which I yeah. love. And I agree. They're the best of the best. I, and I will say like, I love Guild, not just because of the product, but the people too. Yes. It's nice when you're working with a company that you can just call and be like, Hey, so I submitted this order and they're like, Oh, Hey, Corinna, how are you? What's up? How's your child? Mm -hmm. How's life? Like, it's like a family being a part of their right. company, which is really nice. And it's something that you don't get a lot these days with businesses. Yeah. I think when people start out um, and they're using labs that maybe have a quick turnaround and, um, but they're huge labs. So you're never going to develop a personal relationship. And I've always used smaller labs that cater to uh, professionals that, especially professionals that are producing more luxury uh, yeah. items because yeah, I even um, cause I like mid South mm -hmm. color lab for, for, you know, full range of things. And because I'm coaching now more than photographing uh, they call me up and say, is everything okay? What's going on? Uh, and you know, just, no, I'm just coaching. So I'm sending you my coaching clients and okay. some of them love working there. So anyhow, I'm getting a little off track, but 
think the moral of the story we both agree is having a rich relationship with a photo lab that really caters to professionals yeah. when we want to have a higher end business. Yeah. We both love that and recommend it. Is that a yeah. amen? For sure. for and don't be afraid to sell luxury, high-end, expensive products too. Cause I think that's always the fear is like you sign up with these labs and like I hear this from people all the time, like Corinda, I heard you talk about guild. I went and signed up. It's so expensive. Oh my gosh, how will I ever sell these? And it's like, you know what? Just put it on your price list. You'll sell one eventually and you'll be blown out of the water and then you will never want to sell anything else and you'll be addicted. Mm -hmm. um, so just don't be afraid of those high price point items, which I think goes back to the mindset thing, right? That's right. why people are afraid of selling these high price point items because they're afraid like, what are people going to say? They're going to be like, why do you have a $7,000 canvas? That's insane. Um, so definitely just don't let the prices scary when it comes to offering these like higher end quality products for sure. Yeah, totally agree with that. And it's, um, it, we'll, we'll get into this about mindset, <laughs> but every time we go up a little bit, there's an uncomfortability about it until, you know, it works. And then what seemed like a really great sale at one point seems small. So it's a, it's like you step up, I guess, mm -hmm. is the thing. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. Horses. Um, oh, I know. One of the things I balked at was selling the handcrafted, uh, gilded, beautiful, custom-built frames mm -hmm. that were significantly more um and almost all of the places that I used to get those are gone now. Um, but my clients absolutely loved them and would invest instead of $500 for a frame, they would love the, to spend $1,500 or $2,000 to go with their fine portraits. Um, so I feel really good that out there in the world are my canvases in these legacy quality frames. Do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? I, I definitely think I have this like flashback to the early days of my business when I was selling the really cheap canvases that I will not mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. And I, I literally lay awake at night thinking like, oh my gosh, those canvases are probably like literally falling in pieces off my client's walls because they were glued together with cardboard. Right. And it's kind of like a little bit scary to think about because I know, and I believe so deeply in the power of what we do and the importance of having that portrait on their wall forever and having their grandbabies come over one day and be like, oh my gosh, grandma, that was you. Mm -hmm. But the thought of knowing that some of my old clients, their portraits from the early days when I was afraid to offer high-end stuff could be literally falling apart is really terrible. And so when people are in the early days, they're like, I'll start with a cheap product. I'm like, don't. I lay awake at night thinking about this. Just save <laughs> yourself the pain. Don't do it. And they're like, oh, I never thought about that. And I'm like, I didn't either in the early days. Like, would have never crossed my mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think we're kind of sliding into the money mindset. Yeah. Um, so let's let's slide into making money by mastering our mindset. So um, the floor is yours to start rather than me coming up with a question. Yeah. Um, so the reason why I think this is such an important topic is because, and I'm sure you know this as a coach, I started looking at my coaching clients and saying like, what is the difference between my coaching clients that go out there and do the thing and make their business work? And the ones that I give all of this amazing quality advice to, and they just sit there and don't do anything. Mm -hmm. After really examining and looking at that, I started to realize it was their mindset. It was the same thing that had stopped me in my business. But as a coach, I didn't realize, oh, I have to teach my coaching clients this. And I felt mm -hmm. like, who am I to teach them this? Like, I went through this transformation of figuring out my mindset issues, you know, in the last five, six years. Who am I to be able to teach this to them? But I realized that I had to step up to the bar and do that because mm -hmm. if I didn't first address their mindset and like get them out of their own way, I could give them 
every single piece of business mm-hmm. advice in the world, but it wouldn't help. Right. And people don't want to be told that they're the problem with their business. <laughs> you know? They're just like, give me a price list. Tell me what to do. Uh, don't. Now, these are nobody that we know and nobody that's <laughs> listening, right? But those other people <laughs> are like, uh, but don't make me leave the house. Don't don't make me have to pick up the phone or build any relationships. Just tell me what to do. Yeah, right, <laughs> for sure. And it's, you know, I, I have this one coaching client and she said, <laughs> it was actually two friends and we did a, like a one-on-one coaching, but it was two-on-one coaching because they wanted to do it together. Mm-hmm. And we did our first coaching call together and they admitted like months later, they said, Corinne, after our first coaching call, we thought you were crazy. And we were like, oh no, we made a mistake. We Mm. need to like, we're just going to have to do it because we already paid her our money. Mm -hmm. And they go, but then we realized why you did that to us on that first call and why that was so important. And she said, I realized that in order to grow in my business, I had to grow as a person first. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought that is so powerful. How many of us have spent so much time growing in our craft or our business, but we're forgetting to work on us first? Mm -hmm. How would things change if instead we learn to work on us and identify where we're stopping ourselves, then we dove into the craft and the business side of things. And so that's really what I've seen is important as you grow your business is not forgetting to work on yourself. So what does that look like? First of all, mindset has become sort of a cliche word that is still like, it's still a great word. (laughs) So define mindset or a positive mindset and a negative mindset. Yeah. So that's a good question. Um, I've been doing a lot of like research and studying and on all this whole topic, because I actually just released my book. And the basis and the start of the book is mindset, obviously, since that's the base of everything. But I think the thing about mindset is, and I think the easiest way to describe it is our mindset is the little devil sitting on our shoulder telling us we can't do it. Mm. And some of us know how to kick the little devil off of our shoulder and tell him to go away. There's other people and myself included from time to time that sit there and we hear that little devil in our ear And we decide to listen to him and we decide to give all of the power to him. When you have the ability to recognize that the little devil is sitting on your shoulder and you need to kick him to the curb, Mm -hmm. you know how to take the things that he's been saying to you and change those thoughts, then you start to master your mindset. Mm. And the really interesting thing is that our brains are wired to make our lives easy. So if we, have a thought like, no one's ever going to buy a $7,000 canvas. That's crazy, right? If someone says that to us in passing, or our photographer friends are like, you're crazy for thinking about that, or IPS doesn't work, there's no way people will pay that, right? We hear that and our brain goes, ding, 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 that must be true. We need to protect ourselves. So mm-hmm. our brain creates these things called synapses. Um, synapses. <laughs> I don't know what the plural word is. I do know what the plural no, word is, but my brain is not telling me the word today. Um, no, synapses is a is a very valid word. It creates these connections, right? So when we think about selling that $7,000 canvas, our brain goes, oh no, that is going to hurt us. We better stay way far away. Oh, okay. Well, no, it's on our price list, but nope, we're not even going to talk about it. It's going to protect us because the fear of our brain is that if we talk about it, we're going to get hurt. Yes. And that could be rejection. It could be being told we're crazy, whatever it might be. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we have the ability by understanding how those connections work in our brains to actually rewire those connections into the flip side, which is our new positive story or the reality we want to create, which is where mindset sounds so woo-woo. I will tell you, it sounds woo-woo. Um, I agree. But the cool part is there's science backing up the power of our mantras and repeating the positive stories and visualization and all of these things. Scientists have researched this and proven that it is actually a real thing that works. And if we understand how the connections work, and we understand how to break those and create new ones, then we can master our mindset. Great. Do you have a mantra, like a particular one that's your like 
when you're way going down the little bunny trail of of fear and the little devil is just like, this isn't going to work and people are going to hate you and judge you or whatever is your biggest fear. Do you have? I have. I have a lot of mantras, actually. There's a list. And I actually, I pulled my book because I have a list of them in my book. Um, you know what the biggest one that I find myself saying a lot, which is really funny. And if y'all are going to be at Imaging, um, come see me because I have stickers that say this for you at Imaging. Ooh. Done is better than perfect. Yeah. Honestly, that is the thing that I find myself saying the most to photographers. Done is better than perfect. And just choosing to let go of your need to be perfect and accept that getting it done is better. <laughs> um, yeah. It's really important. It's actually the first one listed in my book <laughs> of my list of mantras for photographers. Um, that's a big one that I find myself saying, but when I was undergoing my own money mindset transformation and working with mindset coaches myself, the biggest thing I found myself having to repeat over and over again is my clients are excited to spend tens of thousands of dollars with me on mm. their portrait. And they're going to hand me their credit card and swipe it and be so excited and hug me on the way out the door. Because I had this fear that like, if people were spending that much money, they were going to regret it. Or if people were swiping their credit card, they were going into debt for me. And I didn't want people to feel like that. And I had to convince myself that people were excited to swipe their credit card. Mm -hmm. And it was their choice. And that when they swiped their credit card, it was a good thing for them and not a bad thing. And for some reason... Because I think the way I grew up and the way I saw my parents handle their finances, I associated swiping a credit card as going into debt. I didn't even take credit cards in my business for the first five years because of that. So my favorite mantra is pretty much a simplified version of what you said. Mm -hmm. It's money comes to me easily and with love. Yeah. And whenever I'm in fear, whenever I'm feeling like this is it i'm going to starve to death and you know there's no clients out there and the, whatever's that story i'll repeat that and yeah. um many years ago it might have been i was still doing weddings um so it might have been like 1991 there was a a small recession and people were not booking weddings the weddings had gone and not just me, all my friends were like, I can't get a booking. And I did a bridal show and I had like four great interviews with people and none of them booked. And I had other people on the books and I somehow I heard it, I thought it up, I don't know what. And so I started repeating money comes to me easily and with love, money comes to me easily and with love. When I'd wake up and had a consultation, I'd think that all day when their car, uh, you know, parked and they were coming up the walk, I kept repeating that. And I had four consultations that week. And guess how many of those I booked? All of them. Four, all of them. <laughs> and the only change mm -hmm. was that. Yeah. And um, do, you, do you know the term commission breath? No, I don't know. Okay. It's, um, so if you've ever tried to buy something and the salesperson just seems too eager and like, they don't really care about you, they just want that commission and you can feel it and it's repellent. Yeah. And so the first week when nobody booked, I was feeling desperate yeah. and worried. And I'm sure I had not actual bad breath. But people could feel it that I, I was needy. Uh, what do they call it now? Thirsty. So <laughs> commission breath is <laughs> thirsty, and yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that that mindset. And I talked to that little devil on my shoulder and said, "We're just going to focus on what what's true is that people, what you said, they love to invest well. They love to hand me the credit card and give me a great big hug, and later they tell me." the best money they've invested in in their whole life and i'm sure you've had that experience so yeah so there's tools you're sharing yeah. to combat that any other like super tools for mindset um 
I think one of the biggest things to remember is I think people nowadays, most people have heard of the whole term mantras and they know like, okay, people have these sayings that they repeat over and over again. But I think that there's a step further and that would be using visualization practices Mm -hmm. um, because the cool part about your brain, which is kind of weird, is that your brain, you can trick your brain into believing something's a reality even when it's not happening. And the- best way to do that is to use visualization. So if you can sit there and imagine that client coming through your door and swiping their credit card or going through their ordering appointment and falling in love with all these things and buying the album and buying the giant pieces of wall art and swiping their credit card and leaving and being so excited. And if you can imagine that in your brain and literally a great way to think about it is pretend like it's playing out on a TV screen in front of you and you're like watching it happen. Mm -hmm. Or like you're feeling it and you're like sitting there in your studio feeling the experience of that. You can feel it. Imagine the excitement, the energy in the room, the smells, everything. You can trick your brain into believing that's happening. So when you go and you sit down at your ordering appointment with your client, your brain is like, hey, this is going to be good. Even though it might not have happened yet, your brain is already like, this is going to be good. Let's go do it. you know, it's super easy. I think, especially when you're building your business, you get these like weird situations that happen because you weren't prepared or your client experience wasn't good and something comes up and kicks you in the butt or you have a crazy client because you dropped the ball somewhere or maybe they mean, maybe they're just crazy and you didn't drop the ball. Mm-hmm. But those things happen to us as business owners. And when they do, we like, oh no, everyone's going to be terrible and suck. I'm, I'm devastated. I'm going to (laughs) quit. Right. And so like you have to figure out how to pull yourself out of it. So you don't go into your next meeting with a client expecting the same outcome. Right. And so if you sit there and you repeat your mantras and then you sit down and you also do these visualization exercises and imagine what's going to happen, you're no longer going to feel like your heart's about to explode and you're going to break out in a rash as you walk into your next ordering appointment. Right. Because you're going to believe that there are good things going to happen for you. Yes. I had a a client that um, I did their daughter's wedding, and it was the most I'd ever uh, sold at that time for a wedding. And then I did an event for her husband's business, and I think it was like 10 grand. And then I did portraits that her daughter had a baby, maybe there was a baby and a toddler, and I did portraits. And she's the kind of person which I don't usually recommend letting somebody say, yeah, just total it up, you know, like tell them what it is now normally, right? But with her, I knew it was fine. So I totaled up the order later and it was $20,000. And I couldn't even say it. I was like, so for two weeks, <clears throat> I practiced saying, hey, Glenda, how are you? How are the babies? Um, so I did. I totaled up for the books and the wall portraits, and it's 20 Not $20,000, but it's 20 How would you like to do that? You want to do it in two payments or one? I just practiced that over and over and over. So just what you're saying, I visualized, and I did some exercises, and when it came time, it's just like, oh, cool. Um, sure, why don't I do half? Then she tells me, oh, and I thought about discounting, right? When you think, oh, maybe I should take off 25%. She told me she was excited because she was going to New York and she was going to buy uh, a painting by Pablo Picasso's daughter, Paloma, and have a custom dress designed by maybe Pierre Cardin or some for a ball. And I'm like, if I had discounted, how would I have felt knowing she's probably dropping a hundred grand for a dress and a painting that won't mean anything to her? So, um, yeah, and that was that was that. I remember my first thousand dollar sale and how uncomfortable that was. And what I was saying, trying to say earlier when I was stumbling, is that each each point we get more comfortable. So it's not like, oh, Corinda, you started on day one and 
and you know it was six thousand dollars like you probably like i did you step up and you step up and then twenty thousand is just like that's great i'm happy and yeah anything else on this since i've dominated until my little story to go Uh, along i think something to think about if for those of you that are listening and you're like Ooh, like maybe I have some mindset things going on. Um, I think the first thing to recognize is like, is there anything you're doing in your business or your life in general that gives you funny feelings? Mm -hmm. If you notice like certain things in your business, like you go to do them and there's just this immense sense of dread or your palms get sweaty or you're getting flush, or you're worried you're breaking out with a rash every time you have to do something, then it's a good indicator that you have some sort of mindset thing happening in your in your life. And you know, when it comes to money, just like you said, if you find yourself going to like say numbers to a client and you're like, have to say the number and you're like, I can't, it won't come out of my mouth or I don't want to say it then that's also a really good indicator you have something going on. So the first thing I would say is just stop and notice when you feel those funny feelings and then ask yourself, like, why, why do I feel like this about this? Mm -hmm. And then from there, you have to just say, I don't want to feel like this anymore. This sucks. What am I going to do to change it? Mm. And then you start to look at why this is happening, your past, where these feelings have come from. And you decide, that you're going to change your story. And that sounds so e- simple and easy. Um, but that's really the first step is recognizing and deciding that you're tired of feeling that way. That's brilliant. When I'm coaching people on this, sometimes what we do, and maybe you have a similar practice, is is I ask them, okay, if that would happen, then what? And then, okay, and then what? And then what? And then what? To get all the way to the core of what that fear is. And and then it often dissipates it because you realize, oh, and if that would handle it, I mean, uh, if that were to happen, I'll handle it. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I think I said this in the book. It's like, you know what? If we screw up, what's what's the worst that can happen as a photographer you screw up? I mean, really, unless you're a wedding photographer and you miss the first kiss because Uncle Bob has his camera over there with his flash pointed at the couple, right? You can fix most things. Um, It's not life or death. We're not surgeons. This is not people's literal lives in our hands. So why are so many photographers out there acting like everything is the end of the world? And if any little thing happens, their world's going to come crashing down. It's not. You can fix it. What matters is how you respond when those things happen. Mm. Do you fix it and make it right and say like, oh man, I screwed up. Sorry. And do you change it going forward? Or do you just decide to like, man, I screwed up. This is it. I'm done. Put a nail in the coffin, right? Mm -hmm. And so you get to decide how you want to respond to the things that happen to you in life. And you also get to respond to those moments of fear. In those moments of fear, so what? What's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. Really, it's not that bad. Yeah. Uh, you and I have so much of the same uh, mindset in our own ways. So one of my mantras, because I am a perfectionist and have suffered from the slightest mistake, makes me down this rabbit hole thinking, that's it. The world is ending. I'm going to starve to death and, you know, whatever is to say it's not brain surgery. Lucy, this is not brain surgery. But funny story, air quotes, I had a giant tumor in my sinus. And when my doctor told me what the surgery was I was going to need, I took a breath like a habit when I'm in fear and said, it's not brain surgery. And he leans in and he says, yeah, Lucy, it, it is brain surgery. And I realized... Oh, and even that I'll get through, you know, that the importance of what I'm doing is not as important as what my surgeon did for me. So that always calms me down. But like whatever, if we lose our business over it, because we really make a mess, it'll pass, right? Like, you know, everything is temporary. So I love 
I love that we're on that similar page with that. Um, is there, before we run out of time, is there anything? So work on yourself first. Mm -hmm. The mindset is the little devil, or I would say, and the little angel. You know, there's, they're, yeah. they're both hanging out there and it depends on who we listen to. Um, our brains are wired to take the easy route. Uh, but we can challenge that. And also, we can rewire our brains with all kinds of things. I mean, just doing things makes doing them again easier, right? right. Um, there's power in mantras and visualizations. Um, and I love that you said the noticing, the recognizing, oh, something makes me feel funny. And then getting curious and figuring out and noticing what has created that and then decide, I put that in, in uh, caps, decide to, to handle that and also realize things are not that huge. And most of the time we can fix things. Um, I'm sure you'd agree. Sometimes they're not. And that that's just life, right? Anything else in that list? That's a great list. I think, you know, when when you look at it too, another way to like to say it is just hop off the roller coaster. Mm. <laughs> like sometimes we can be so emotionally invested in our business, which there's nothing wrong with that. But business is a roller coaster. Mm. Like there's no other way to put it. It can be a roller coaster. There are ups and downs. There's seasonality like crazy as photographers. It's normal. It's okay. But you get to choose whether you want to ride the roller coaster with your business or you want to watch the roller coaster. Mm. So if you struggle with this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm so emotionally invested. There's all these ups and downs. I, I am so scared. I'm so fearful. There's all these things happening take a breath and also recognize like you can choose not to ride the roller coaster. That is a hundred percent in your control. I love that. And I, you know, if I ever notice I'm riding the roller coaster, I will literally stop like Corinda jump off the roller coaster right mm -hmm. now. <laughs> so what does the roller coaster feel like to you? Yeah. I think it's just like when you, I think there needs to be some sort of stability in your emotions around your business. Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, like a super great way to say it is if I'm on the roller coaster of my business, when I have a not so great sale, I'm kind of like, dang it, that sucked. Mm -hmm. When I have a great sale, I'm like, woohoo, arms in the air. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm in a good place and I'm really like not on the emotional roller coaster. I'm able to sit there and be equally grateful mm -hmm. for everything that happens in my business. And I'm not dependent on the success or the not success of yeah. my sales or my bookings or whatever it may be. I'm able to just sit there and not go into a panic mode. Like when I'm not booking, I'm not in a panic mode of like, <gasps> I'm not booking. I have bills to pay. I'm just like, okay, I'm not booking. I got to make a decision. I got to pivot. What do I need to do? And I can think from a clearer space when I'm not on that roller coaster. Mm, I really like that description. I recognize that roller coaster. And somewhere in there, I think, is an implication that our business success for some of us can feel like our whole value in the world. Mm -hmm. that we get our sense of self and self-esteem from the success and that getting off the roller coaster for me would also be to remind myself that this has nothing to do with me and my worth as a human. You know, I get my value in, in many other ways. And this is, this is how I spend time sharing my gifts and getting income, but it, I've been, I, wee bit of a workaholic in my life and I learned to value myself no matter what. So you think that's for some people part of that roller coaster ride? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and something that I've actually been asking people lately is how would you treat your business differently if it was your job? And it's a, 
and kind of a cynical thing to say, mm-hmm. but I think that if you think about your business, like it's your job and you think about it, like if this was my job and I was going to work and I had to do the thing and I close my computer and walk out of my office and close the door at the end of the day and I go home and enjoy my life, Ooh. how would that change your business? It would probably make a pretty big difference instead of like sitting up all night editing while watching TV with your family or doing all the things that photographers have normalized that are not normal in other industries. That is so interesting because um, maybe a month ago, my guest, which I'm not going to take the time to, to look her up and tell you who it was. um, But we talked a lot about how we need to not create a job for ourselves but realize we have a business and I believe in paradoxes. So I think both are absolutely true mm-hmm. that uh, detaching still, still running our business as a business and not just creating a job for ourselves, but then detaching from it as our self-esteem or finding those ways to what you said, shut the door and go have our life exclusive of our business the way that if you ever had a job before that, you know, I used to scoop ice cream. And when I went home, you know, I was in college and I had a boyfriend and I only worried about what I was doing when I was there at Carvel making ice cream sundaes and things like that. So I love that. and love that. How yeah. two things can sound like they contradict and absolutely not at all. I mean, <laughs> So we're just about out of time. So I'm going to ask you two things. So I know you have a book. I would love to know about it, what the title is, how people can acquire it and gain more of your wisdom in a printed version. Yeah. So they actually just arrived today. So I'm kind of <gasps> like, yeah, they're, they're sitting oh. on my desk and I'm just okay. like, they arrived Hold an hour it. Ago. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love so it. This is the book. Um, it's called The Unicorn. And it's an idea that was born over about three and a half years ago when I was pregnant. I remember driving home from the bookstore with my husband and I was like, if only there was like a book that was like just the unicorn of books, like it had everything you needed to know about business in it. And I was like, you know what? I could write that book. Hmm. So I pulled out my phone. I wrote the outline for the book over three and a half years ago. And this fall, I decided to actually put it into paper and to make it happen. Um, It is everything that I wish somebody would have just slapped me across the face with Mm. and told me when I was building my business in one book. Um, It's a big, thick book. It was supposed to be 200 pages and ended up being 400 pages. Um, It's a lot of amazing, valuable information. And it's everything I wish that somebody would have just told me in one place um, when it came to building my business. It's the psychology, the logic, the reason, the mindset, the sales, all of the stuff just put into one book. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so is it available directly through you or is it on? Yes. So Audible be at Imaging at the trade show, actually, um, on the trade show floor near where the cafe area is on the main aisle. Um, I will be there with my books, selling them and um, or you can order them online and I'll I'll post the I'll give you the link that way you can share it in the show notes um, so you can grab a copy of the book. If you go to my website, mastermindmoney.com Got it. Um, or you can go to Master Your Mind Money on Instagram, um, or we have a Facebook group called Photography Business Tune Up. So, okay, Photography Business Tune Up, or check the show notes because we'll have some good stuff in there. Okay, so my last question is um, so, what would either something that you would think, oh, I wish I had shared this or a final thought for us. What would you want to say to wrap this up and leave people walking away with? I think my final thought would be get out of your own way in your business. And once you do that, things will totally take off. Um, But getting out of your own way is the biggest hurdle. Yeah. And that is not something we do. Oh, I I uh, never let myself follow up after this question. So I'm reeling myself back. Yes. 
get out of your own way in business. Thank you so much for saying yes to being on my show. And I'm excited to see you at imaging and. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. Look for the bright purple hair and probably hot pink pants because I love wearing my hot pink pants. Um, If you see hot pink pants in a distance, that's probably me. Got it. (laughs) So we'll just say hi, Barbie. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, look forward to more. Yes. It was so good talking to you. You too. Bye for now. Well, that was so fun. And she and I are such kindred spirits, clearly. Um, So here's my quick wrap up before I do. Remember, I'm going to be at Imaging and I am hosting a get together of fans of the Profitable Photographer. Hopefully, a bunch of my guests will show up. Uh, so keep your eyes open. If you go to my website, lucydumascoaching.com and snag one of my free gifts, there's a one is 10 big ideas for marketing in the wor- real world, then you'll be on my email list. So then you'll get the notice of uh, the get together. And so I loved that she talked about some of the tips for photographing horses. Be patient, be calm, be efficient. Learn how to coach the person managing the horse. Learn to anticipate what's going to happen next. Um, If you are not a horse person, go find a barn or someone teaching horsemanship uh, so that you, number one, don't mess up a great horse and get, you know, know how to manage them. Um, And then we talked about the mindset and um, she said to be successful in a business, we have to work on ourselves first. And the mindset is that little devil. And I added, or the angel on our shoulders or both. Um, And learning how to give power to the one that is hopeful. Um, And she mentioned our brains want to make things easy. So our brain's going to try to convince us not to take risk. But we can change that. We can rewire with mantras, affirmations, visualizations. Um, and then I love that she said, notice some things that give you an uncomfortable feeling, investigate that and decide to make a change and realize you can fix things and you can get off that emotional roller coaster in your business. And she's got a book called The Unicorn that you can contact her um, about how to get a copy if you don't go to the show notes and find the link. So that's it for now. Hope y'all have a great uh, week, whatever week you're in. You know, maybe you're listening to this years later. And if so, hi. (laughs) And uh, that's all. Take care. Bye for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.